Welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. This show will provide our listeners up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist, neuroimmune, and genomic specialist. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and I invite you to sit back, grab your favorite beverage or cup of coffee, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new season of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I'm your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and we are doing video and audio today. So you can check us out on YouTube or you can go to coffeewithdrstewart.com. But we have a pretty fascinating topic today. Hey, first, let me say hi, Dr. Stewart. How are you? Thank you. I'm fine. Thank you. Good. You working hard? I am. Working a little bit too hard these days. I'm ready to take a little break. Yeah, I think we all are. Thanksgiving's coming. Christmas is coming. Well, Dr. Stewart, you know that we both have uh, something in our life that can give us strife sometimes. (laughs) Today, Uh, we're going to be talking about teenage boys. Basically, teenage boys and becoming a man, how the brain develops. This is close to my heart because I have a 13-year-old. You have a 14-year-old. And hormones are changing, brain is developing, lack of nutrition, they're eating poorly. And I have been frustrated a bit with my child and trying to understand how his brain's working. And I think I was like, oh my gosh, who can I talk to about this? And I was reading books and everything. I was like, oh my God, my my brother, Dr. Stewart, he's a neurotologist. He treats thousands of children, developing children to young men, right? Right. So, um, I think teenagers often get a hard time for not listening or being moody, being difficult. And we're just not understanding the development of the brain and why they act a certain way. And maybe we could give them a little bit of grace during this time. Well, and you have to, or you're going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're going to lose the battle. And yep. it's fascinating. And the lack of paying attention and being moody really isn't their fault if their brain's only 80% developed. So, you're here to guide us through the the difficult topic of what's happening with teenagers. And we're going to focus on boys and we can do another show about girls because that's kind of a totally different topic. So okay. let's just start with a quick fact like I like to do. And it says, according to the National Health Institute, the hormones um, that change around puberty, they start between eight and 14 and last until the early 20s when adolescence ends. I had no idea it went through the 20s. So yeah, you know. we always tell we always tell our even our 20-year-olds that your body's still developing. And in boys, it's till about 25. Wow. And, you know, they think they're full grown at 18, but you and I both know looking back at 18, we are not the same as we were at 25. No, no we thought we knew everything. <laughs> um, well, let's start off with. Just an important question all, I think all parents want to know. At what age do teenage hormones really start to affect boys? Or just guide us through the well, whole thing. You know, the, the hormone thing is really an interesting thing because it's actually changing. So as, as a general rule, unfortunately, we are very concerned about boys and their testosterone levels. And, and in fact, men and their testosterone levels because there's a lot of indication that it's actually decreasing as time goes by. And in fact, a lot of people quote that there is actually probably a 30% reduction in testosterone in all men compared to where it was back in the 1960s and 70s. Really? And so everybody's worried that if we get a little bit further along, that we're going to run into a massive male fertility issue uh, just from a lack of testosterone. Now, I, I do see 
an incredible amount of even young men who have low testosterone levels. And whether that's due to endocrine disruptors, which are herbicides, pesticides, and other things in our environment, right. whether it's due to a change in the way that our kids are maturing, uh, nobody really knows for sure, but in general, there's there's a big problem. So I can tell you, Kara remembers that I had a full beard, you know, probably in junior high. <laughs> full chest hair, everything. <laughs> Uh, which, and if you really look at a lot of these kids in the high school and even in college, they're very baby-faced as a general rule. They don't grow a facial hair quite as early. It seems that it's getting later, whereas our girls are seemingly getting younger in their development. So the problem with uh, the hormones in general is that even when the brain kicks in, which is, a, I want to think about energy. Energy really is important because the brain is the highest energy organ in the body. Right. And the problem is if we can't get enough glucose and we can't get the mitochondria to make enough energy, first of all, the brain, including the gonadotropin-releasing hormone, the pituitary that releases luteinizing and follicular-stimulating hormone, and even the testicles or ovaries in girls, um, those are high-energy organs too. So if we can't get the energy right in these kids, they are just not going to develop into the right hormonal balance that they need. And we see this especially, and I, don't, I know this shows about boys, but in young girls, we're seeing a much a large increase in PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, insulin resistance. And the same thing goes for boys. We just don't notice it as much because they're not cycling or not growing facial hair when they're not, not supposed to. And so in general, you've got to think about it. Um, in my mind, as not necessarily that everybody's programmed different, but how do we make maximize the ability for the genetic code in that young man to actually execute it exactly the way God intended? Well, first talk so, about the way God intended it, like how it should have been sure. and what they're going well, to. So what happens is that the the uh, gonadotropin releasing hormone begins to be released from the hypothalamus. Sometime, probably in most boys around 12, sometimes it's a little later, sometimes it's a little earlier, and that then turns on the pituitary to start releasing luteinizing hormone and follicular stimulating hormone. Now, luteinizing hormone is the major trigger for testosterone production from the testicles. And so that is essentially responsible for creating testosterone in the beginnings of puberty. And this is a, something that actually ramps up over time, but it takes a lot of energy for it to essentially execute itself at both ends. And so what becomes the biggest risk factor for delayed development, for delayed brain development and everything for me, really is the autophagy foundation of the child. If they have some autophagy weakness and we get into some trouble where their cells, there's no doubt that during the teenage years, the speedometer of all cells becomes very active and it's overworking itself all the time. Is that why they're hungry all the time? Is that why they're, they're hungry all the time? Well, it really has to do with, you know, people say, oh, they're going to crave glucose and sweets. Well, they're only going to crave glucose and sweets if their brain is not receiving enough glucose right. in the first place. And so in general, if we're able to maximize the ability of those cells to take in their glucose using something like D-chiro inositol if it's necessary, right. then we will get the best functionality, not only of the hormonal status of the brain, 
but also in the functional status of the brain from producing its neurotransmitters correctly. Most of the kids that I see with either developmental issues, psychiatric issues, lots of anxiety, lots of cognitive problems, they really always go about having an autophagy weakness. On their genetic marker. I mean, those are the genetic genes on the autophagy panel. Because the brain, if it does not have enough energy, cannot produce the chemicals that it's supposed to produce. You know, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about nutrition. Because, I mean, right now it's it's saying that in the literature I read that, you know, a boy needs 2,800 calories a day during this time. Sure. I mean, that's a lot of food, <laughs> you know. And we a lot of them don't eat the right food. So a lot of nutritional supplements, you know, can assist with that. But let's talk about the brain development because they always talk about how the frontal lobe is not developed yet, right? And that's why they they get into risk. Well, here, here's the problem I have with that, and I just want to talk okay. about it. You're, you're the brain specialist. You're well, the- here's what's happening. Everybody acts like everybody develops the same. Well, we're all genetically different. Right. And so what happens when you have a kid, so for instance, my 14-year-old has dyslexia. It's very well known, and he just struggles, but... He also has a massive autophagy problem, too. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in general, um, we always act like development should be the same in every child, but genetically, they're different creatures. So basically, my recommendation to most parents who are struggling with their children is that we do need to get genetics on them and know specifically what they need, because all teenagers, for, for lack of access, they get away from their parents more. They get access to the foods and all the things they want, and they're going to eat what the heck they want. So the only thing we can do once they get a little bit more mobile and more free is for us to be able to hopefully help them supplement at home and really overcome their nutritional deficiencies that we can control. Yeah, you know, like my son, it's uh, you don't take your supplements in the morning, you don't get video games in the afternoon. Sure. You know, it's got to it's got to be a reward. Well, and it's hard. It's hard to remember. I mean, it just is hard. Yeah. And so, well, explain to us, like you know, with the brain development, you know, it like they say, eighty percent. I mean, they're in risk taking. They don't think about their their actions, how it could be risky, and uh, drug use might be 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 um, happen. Sexual behaviors start. I mean, well, we, we know we know that most young adults feel like they're infallible. You know that they basically. Right. Uh, can always get out of their mistakes. They, they take a lot more risk than other people. They think life is a long thing ahead of us and that nothing could, can happen to me. And we, we define that as maturity, but in essence, there is a lot more risk taking in most young boys, a lot more showing off, a lot more um, kind of transitioning to man. And that is, a, that is actually a neurotransmitter balance issue. Right. They tend to have a, they have, tend to have a little bit more glutamate in their brain, uh, especially when they're developing. They don't have quite as much GABA to calm them and make them slow them their brain down and think. And especially if they have mutations like a GAD one, right? Where they can't convert glutamate to GABA. You have a child who really has no no fear. Will just right. go and do whatever he wants to and be very impulsive and. In a way, that GABA also gives you a feeling of being much calmer, much more content. And so that's why we see a lot of this teenage angst, yeah, you know, the bad boy sy- syndrome and, and all those other things. And so, you know, knowing their genetics can help us a lot with understanding it. Most people, most psychiatrists 
um, I think are having trouble because they just kind of put everybody in one box like they are all genetically equal. Whereas if we can figure out the genetics of this child, no matter what's going on, and we can help them, we can bring them out of their anxiety. I can tell you one thing that drives most, I, I, I tell the kids, and especially my boys, that everybody is anxious when they're teenagers. There's yeah. any, even the people that seem like they're, they're not, they're lying. They are anxious. Okay. <laughs> and so you worry about, and I, and I, to me, I mean, as a parent, I talk about big stuff and little stuff, you know? Right. So what we, the problem is when you're a teenager, little stuff seems like huge life ending stuff. Yeah. And so it, it is a maturity type of transition. It's learning about the world, but ultimately as parents, all we're trying to say is how can we help these children get to where they need to be? And how can we make sure that they transition into a normal human beings <laughs> well, let's talk mental health issues because i mean do you feel that covid i mean you you see kids no doubt it's huge covid being virtual you think that affected a lot of the mental health in our kids i think it's first of all the the teenage brain is much easier to affect from an anxiety standpoint okay so i don't think there's any doubt that that we probably scared a lot more teenagers than we did anybody in the population and just the lack of socialism, feeling like they're friends, things like that. Well, no, even with, even with the news and COVID, you know, thinking they're going to die, even though they're in this very lowest group, they really will take everything so personally at their oh, age. Yeah. And then we change society and we take them to virtual learning and socialization. And, you know, I, I have a good friend of mine who's actually, um, you know, he's a professional counselor and, you know, and, um, he really, got, at the beginning of the pandemic, got very upset about the concept of social distancing because right. he was saying mentally, we're already social distance. We don't need any more social distancing from, from a mental health standpoint. Right. Because people have trouble feeling wanted and needed, especially when you're, when you're in a teenage, a teenage situation. You think it's the end of the world if you don't have a bestie friend, you know? Yeah. yeah. So... Um, in general, the problem is, is that we can talk about all these societal abnormalities and driving mental health. Mental health is a big deal at teenage years. Yeah, uh, social media is a huge problem. I can't tell you how much increase in suicide. Now, I can tell you, well, but I can tell you that they'll blame that on COVID, but it may be actually the viral increase in inflammation in the brain that actually is driving or, or vaccine-induced inflammation in the brain because you're, the vaccine is producing something that causes inflammation. That's what it does. Yeah. I just want to tell people, Dr. Stewart for GX Sciences um, created a developmental panel, and that's not just for young kids. That's kids of, like, all ages, right? Because you have the men's health panel, but the developmental panel covers everything you're talking about, the neurotransmitters, the autophagy. It right. covers... Um, Methylation, which is a big piece right. of my son. Right. So methylation. Let's go, let's go through all those. You know, so okay. what we, we talk about in general health and the way we teach physicians, we have to have kind of a methodology. And so our methodology follows a concept of what I call the principles of health. Number one is controlling inflammation because the problem with teenagers is if they're growing, they have inflammation every day. Right. That's called tearing down your tissues and growing them to a bigger size. And so inflammation is a problem. So if they're genetically predisposed, 
to having more inflammation and having trouble controlling it, if we can help them control it, we will ultimately help them cognitively, emotionally. We will help them um, from having good days and bad days. And it's really easy to tell when your child has this because it's a simple question. Are you having good days and bad days? I think because it changes hourly almost. <laughs> well, and so that's the thing. In, in chemicals, like in the brain, when you're dealing with neurotransmitters, I can't become depressed overnight. I can become depressed over a week, but not overnight. So chemicals take a long time to change, but inflammation can change very rapidly. So somebody who becomes manic in manic depression, that's all inflammation. Right. It has nothing to do with the chemical change. Now, if you inflame the brain, it may do some funny things chemically, but for the most part, it's inflammation. They have bad off switches. We have to give them something to help with the off switches, whether it's CBD oil, PEA, whether it's vitamin D, all those things can help us, or we can even get to prescriptive agents. Okay. Then we have to go to autophagy because autophagy, which is basically the concept of not letting garbage build up in your cells because you need your brain because it, the only time we clean our cells is when cells are resting. And in the teenage brain, the cells don't rest. Why? Because it's developing? It's just growing all the time, even their brain. Okay. And so without that, garbage slowly starts to build up, and they will become insulin resistant, which means they can't quite get enough glucose into that cell. And so the only thing they crave is carbohydrates and sugars when that happens. Right. You know, and you'll see them pounding them down. I mean, it's a very easy question. Is that all your teenager wants? Well, the brain's not dumb. It knows what it wants. <laughs> I like to tell people, if you were starving for three days and I put a steak and a donut on the table, which one do you eat first? First, you would, everybody would, and then they'd eat the steak. Right. They're hungry, but the sugar gives you that instantaneous energy. Is that, does that also boost dopamine, which is so... Neat. And it actually then boosts glutamate and dopamine. That's correct. Okay. So that's why they get into that, because they're trying to find something to hyperstimulate. And there's no doubt that the teenage brain likes to be overstimulated. Yes. Yeah. Using something like D chiro inositol is always a very important thing if you have some autophagy markers. Okay. Then we have to go to basically methylation. Remember, methylation is the ability for us to take a water soluble vitamin like folic acid and B12 and convert it into a form, a methyl form, that basically allows it to enter the nervous system and immune system efficiently. And so those are involved in the production of dopamine and serotonin. Remember, dopamine is also involved in, so dopamine converts to norepinephrine and epinephrine. So really methylfolate is responsible for four major neurotransmitters in the brain itself. And so if they can't make enough dopamine, they can't focus, they can't concentrate, if they can't then convert enough norepinephrine, their short-term memory is terrible. You know, you told them to do something 10 times. Yes. And they forgot to do it. Well, yeah. it's interesting. You know, on the days that my son forgets to take his supplements, he's a mess that night. Sure. Or the next day. And it's like, I, I can see it. I know it, that he didn't sure. take up with methylfolate and he didn't take his methylation complete. And it's that obvious. But I think People don't realize how necessary that is because they, they're just not getting it from food these days, right? Right. Well, you just can't get it. You have to, even if you get folic acid from food, your genetics have to convert it. You're, you're, you know, a lot of people have methylation. Huge. Methylation. If you're of European descent, I can tell you, you probably have it. 
a methylation genetic mutation. It's something that something's weak. Now people have various severities. So the kids with horrible ADD, ADHD, they have really bad ones, you know. Right. Then we talk about the glutamate GABA balance. Right. Glutamate's the stimulant. It's kind of like MSG. The brain makes a lot of that. Right. The problem is we're supposed to take the GAD1 and convert 40% of it to GABA so that we have this nice balance. But guess how many people don't do that very well? Yeah, and I want to tell parents too, you know, if you can't get your genetics or get it through a doctor or something, you know, you can buy GABA is very inexpensive. You can buy some. And if it relaxes your child, they most yeah, likely not, don't. Not regular GABA. Not regular GABA. No, I'm saying if they can hand, if GABA does work for them, they may not have a GAD1 mutation. But if right. they get excitable by taking just GABA, you need to look at not getting yeah, they got it. Yeah, it's back. So those are all the inattentive kids who have the imbalance. They're, they're not hyperactive. They're just distractible. Is that why the pro-GAD enhancer that you created, like, just totally chills kids out? And well, what I like to say, adults who have this stuff tell me that their brain goes down three or four different thoughts at once, but they can't finish. Right. So when you take the pro-GAD or you take a mantamine or you take elderberry or something that brings the glutamate down, then they can finish their thought and kind of go from one. It doesn't change your personality. You're still a, a high energy it person. Makes me feel good, yeah. <laughs> it just makes you. It makes you finish your thoughts and become much more effective and efficient in what you're trying to do. Okay. Well, let's let's skip to the uh, to another topic real quick, and we're going to talk about the nutrition more. But the three effects hormones can have on teens in their emotional well being. You know, we're talking about the the adrenal, the growth hormones. Can you okay, so here's the thing. So remember, hormones are all steroids. Okay. From a biochemical perspective, if it's a steroid, that means it can enter the nucleus of the cell, which means it can change the DNA architecture, which okay. means it can change what we do from that cell, what type of protein, what kind of substance that cell makes. So whenever these hormones, most people don't really understand. They think they're just about energy and muscles and all that. Right. But it really goes into the nucleus and changes the way the cell makes whatever the cell makes. So if it's a brain cell, it's making a neurotransmitter. If it's a muscle cell, you're making more proteins to have a stronger muscle. Do you understand? Right. But that's the thing you've got to understand about steroids, that's why steroids are so unique. They can literally change the cell's ability to produce whatever it needs to produce. And so, for instance, vitamin D is a steroid. Most people don't know that. But vitamin D not only helps you with inflammation control, but it also changes the way immune cells function because it goes into the nucleus. So that's the unique thing about hormones is it's not just looking at the balance between estrogen and progesterone, but the way God designed it is that everything basically comes from cholesterol to pregnenolone and then to progesterone. And then we, from progesterone, we make cortisol, we make DHEA, testosterone, and then estrogen. So all of them come from that base foundation of pregnenolone. So Another easy way to look at it is measure your child's pregnenolone. Yeah, and if your child's pregnenolone is less than 100, they really don't have enough of the precursor to make the hormones that they need. 
Interesting. So pregnenolone, I mean, we carry that in our line, but you can just go get a blood test at the doctor? You can just go get a blood test because if you don't have enough pregnenolone, you can't make the other hormones. And we can also look at each individual hormone and how it's converted. And that's what we do in women's health panels. That's what we do in men's health panels to right. see if there's some negative effect. So, so you see some boys who develop their their testosterone and they become very lean and mean. Right. Some boys develop their testosterone and next thing you know, they're growing man boobs and they're gaining 30 pounds. Right. Well, those boys, unfortunately, those boys have a CYP1B1, so they're converting most say of that, it. Say that a again. CYP1B1 mutation. Mm -hmm. So they're converting a lot of that testosterone into estrogen. Ah, yes. And so we would need to then block that estrogen with DIM or with an estrogen, a prescription estrogen block. Okay. Because, I mean, testosterone's always been linked to aggressive behavior and, you know, depression. It's, really that. it's, the, balance. it's the balance between testosterone and estrogen. Okay. So if, I, I like to say we don't want to block too much estrogen in dudes who are adult men because I don't want you to be in an A. You see what I'm saying? You gotta have a little. You gotta have a little estrogen to be a nice guy. I got gotcha. you. Sweeter. You know what I mean? You block it all. And unfortunately, bodybuilders, you know, they're blocking all their estrogen. They don't want any estrogen, and you know how they they'll snap on you because they're they just don't have the balance. So it's not necessarily that testosterone does it, but it's the balance of testosterone to the other hormones that are around. Everything's about balance for God. Right. So but we can assist in some in natural ways to help these kids. Absolutely, no doubt. But you got to know exactly what they need and what they don't need because here's the problem with teenagers: they don't think they need anything. Oh yeah, no, I don't need that. I'm fine, mom. And if you have, if you start telling them they need to take these four things, if you get past four, they won't take it. Yeah. Well, I'm also worried when he goes off to college, he's still going to need those. And oh, they will. Boys will screw it up every time. Let me tell you about my two. Jerry made them a beautiful, nice care package, and they moved off, and we didn't hear from them for a month. Okay. They probably finished their supplements. Everything was great. But the second month, they didn't call me. They called Cherry, and they're like, oh, I don't feel good. And she's like, well, are you taking your supplements? And, of course, they said no. Yeah, that happened with our older son, too. Yeah. He finally came back and said, I need these things. So every Christmas, after help, you know, kids go off to college, every Christmas, there would probably be 10 different parents that come into my office with their child who just went to college and say, tell Dr. Stewart what you did. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, Dr. Stewart, I went off to the college. I didn't take my supplements, and I didn't do so well this semester. Yeah. Now, you know, and they expect me to chastise, and I'm like, well, you're a dude. I mean, that's what you do. Right. So long and the short of it is, um, eventually those kids realize how important it is to them. And after they've gone through a couple of years of college, a lot of them are very good at taking their supplements because they know it feels better. But you just got to remember that teenagers, you've got to tell them 20 times for it to register. Yeah, it's, it's maddening. You know, another thing I wanted to ask you about is sleep. Why do they sleep so much? What is Well, it's either that or the opposite, to be honest with you. You know, sleep cycles are all about biorhythms, and the teenage biorhythmic cycle is completely off. That's why a lot of them like to stay up late. Right. 
you don't control their devices, you know, they'll be in there about midnight, two o'clock in the morning, their friends are talking to them and all that type of stuff. So it's it's a big problem, you know, that, that you, you probably have to pay attention to if you want to be a really good parent. Um, invariably, girls get into a lot more trouble because their hormones play a bigger role and blood pressure and other things. And we, when we talk about girls, we'll talk about POTS, which is um, a condition that affects a lot of girls these days. But in general, the problem is, is that they have trouble with sleep initiation. They are so on the go and always wanting this stimulation. And, you know, the brain is a really funny thing. Once you're sleepy, you should go to sleep. Because if you push through that over the next 15 to 20 minutes, your next sleep uh, initiation phase will not come for a couple more hours. Yeah, I have to remember that myself. And most people don't, and so the teenagers will push through it, typically with video games or devices or social media. And so if they're pushing through at 9.30, it's not going to be till 11.30 when all of a sudden the next initiation cycle is going to come Interesting. Out. Well, let's talk about the, you know, depression. Now, sleeping a lot just means that they're fatigued and they're trying to make growth hormones. Okay, because that's kind of what I was getting at. The sleep is initiated. Yeah, we only make growth hormones in our deepest phase of sleep. And there is no doubt that maybe for a variety of reasons that sleep disorders are an epidemic problem in our society. Unfortunately. And it's not necessarily obstructive sleep apnea. It's really about um, biorhythmic type of sleep architecture interruptions. We're not getting the timing and the quality of the sleep that we should, probably because of devices, um, probably because of neurotransmitters not being quite as healthy. Just like that teenager can't reason properly, his brain really can't sleep properly because there's just right. neurotransmitters are not quite in the perfect balance. Well, then let me ask you a quick question. Daylight savings time. Do you agree with it or disagree with it? It seems to throw every from medical from a medical perspective. I would disagree with it. From my personal perspective, I kind of like it. But you like it getting dark so early? No. What I don't like is I don't like knowing that there's kids out there catching the bus at seven o'clock in the dark. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see. So we have some friends. My kids are, you know, not homeschooled, but they go to a college curriculum homeschool type of thing, but. We have some friends over here, and she catches the bus at 6.38 every morning. That's early. Because their school starts at 7.45. Right. And, uh, you know, I was talking to her dad, and I go down to the bus at, you know, 6.30, and it's dark, you know, and she rides the bus. for daylight now. So, you know, there's, there's, there's pros and cons to both, but I think we could get away with it. But that's, I mean, it's obviously not my decision. Well, let's talk about depression because I mean, I don't know, it's an explosion of teen depression. Sure. Like, and I know parents are struggling. Do I put my child on antidepressants? What do I do? What can I do to help them? How do I know if they're really depressed or if this is just part of the hormone phase? You know, they, they say to look for so many things, you know, they feel worthless, loss of interest in activities, easily set off and angry. Spending well, my, time alone, withdrawing from friends. I mean, that seems to ebb and flow with a lot of teens. But well, my best, my best advice to you from that standpoint is not just to assume that everything's right with that child. Right. I would definitely do if you have a doctor that will really pay attention. 
is I would definitely take that child, make sure that they get a full blood workup to make sure the thyroid's fine, to make sure they don't have pans or pandas or their immune system's working fine, to make sure you're not dealing with some type of infectious agent that is creating more inflammation in that child than it should be. So first, like mono or something that you yeah, mono, etc. So that's that's the first thing I would do. I would make sure the child is essentially healthy before you label it a mental illness. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 And I, I think that's so important because even even me, I, I've been guilty in the past of just treating them when I eventually find out that there's actually a an illness that was there that I should have taken care of. You know. And I'm just telling you that this is my expertise after 20 plus years of practice. Right. So once you've done that, though, what you do, do want to do is you want to make sure you get a genetic panel to understand where the new neurotransmitters are. So this is where we, now it's in the developmental panel, but this is where we use the neuropsych panel from GX. So we can look at the balance and we try to get naturally the balance of these neurotransmitters back to the best we can be and we still we need to create energy right uh, and so once we do that there are times that things are so bad you have to use medications now my warning for medications is that on the neuropsych panel many times the ssris the zolofs the lexapros the prozax the luvox there are a lot of people that those just don't work, and we actually recognize the genes that tell us whether they work on the panel. Okay. You'll think you're treating them, and you're really not because their genetics don't agree with that. With the medication? Right. So then you have to go with those, if those are that way, if they're not that way, SSRIs help us a lot, and they're very gentle. Okay. But you got to remember that if I'm bringing up serotonin, God also wants dopamine to come with it because he uses the same the same uh, methylfolate. So he's always intended because the cofactor is the same for dopamine and serotonin to be the same. So if you're on an SSRI, you want to make sure you're on methylfolate to help dopamine recover. So consider the full focus, the... Um, focus will help, but also methylfolate plus. And mitocell PQQ for energy? If you have energy problems, yes. Now... If those don't work, if, if SSRIs won't work because of the genetics, you have to go to the SNRIs. Now, the most commonly known ones of, of those types are Wellbutrin and Effexor, but I'm going to warn parents against that. Okay. Because the problem with those drugs is once you get on them, they are a bear to get off of. Okay. They are so difficult in removing it, even in adults but much less the teenager brain. And teenagers are notorious for finally figuring out, I don't want to take this shit anymore, excuse my language. So I'm just going to stop it. And next thing you know, they're in a withdrawal type of terrible state. terrible state. I mean, hospitalization state. So my favorite in the SNRI personally is Pristique, okay. which is a gentler SNRI that's easy to remove if we need to. But th that's just my personal way. I'm not telling you that any other doctor's not doing it right. I'm just telling you those are the thoughts that come in my head. Well, let's talk about, let's say that you know, there's so many parents out there that don't want to put their, their kids on prescriptions. They sure. just don't. And they feel that they're being forced to. Give us some tips on nutritionally. I mean, I know we have the Mood Plus and we have the Full Focus and 
We have the ProGAD. I mean, would you start there or start with vitamin D and pregnenolone? Well, here's the deal. The kids, the kids' brain is so difficult to understand from an outcome perspective. They don't think like you do. Right. Okay? My wife loves to talk, tell me that I don't speak teenager very well. And it's very <laughs> true. I don't. Yeah. You understand? So unless you have a guide, I would be very cautious with it. You know, that's why I think I think that's why genetics are so important in the teenage brain, because you've got to have a guide to understand what you're going to do. If you don't understand what you're really trying to accomplish, then I think you're going to make a lot of mistakes. But and even, even if you were willing to try a product, isn't going to hurt you or hurt the child. Necessarily. Well, and I would recommend DCI. I would recommend I would if, if they have trouble initiating sleep or turning their brain off. I would recommend ProGAD. Okay. Okay. Um, or Elderberry. Okay. Okay. If they have trouble with um, basically following a process, meaning going from one step to the next step to the next step, I would then recommend full focus because that means their dopamine, which allows organization, timing, and sequencing, is not quite right. And full focus has methyl donors. Right. Which are things to help dopamine function better. And that's what's in Red Bull. So if your child likes Red Bull <laughs> or Monster, <laughs> they'll probably like full focus. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. only the short of it is Red Bull and and all the drinks of that nature are very smart biochemical drinks. They have a little bit of caffeine, but they have tons of taurine, which right. helps those kids process. So by looking at what the child is craving or wanting you can learn a lot about it if you understand the chemistry and what about just a general multivitamin i mean if vitamins really are funny we have such good vitamins in most of our foods these days that vitamins are not really that important unless there's a genetic weakness but what is really important is the minerals okay minerals. especially the trace minerals a lot of those trace minerals play a big role that's why you, like you, put, you put trace minerals in a lot of our products. Correct. It's because we really, those trace minerals are not found very, that's why they're called trace, because they're not found in our foods in high quantity. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Okay. And so that's why cooking with Himalaya salt or sea salt or other things and being able to, those are very important for lots of little bitty things that are important to overall health, especially like thyroid function. Right. The most notorious selenium is required for thyroid to function. You know, and they talk about, you know, because the 2,800 calorie diet, that's a lot. That's a lot of food. You know, they talk about giving them protein, carbs, dietary fats, you know, all the good stuff. And if you eat a lot of packaged foods, that might be where you need a, a vitamin mineral complex to help. Well, you know, with, with the proteins and everything, it's a different story when you're dealing with athletes. Because athletes are going to listen to their buddies. They're not going to listen to their parents right. about how they're going to supplement. So you'll be shocked at a lot of these, even junior high, but mostly high school athletes and what they're really taking. Mm -hmm. Down to GNC and they'll... It's a big container. They get a lot of things. Question, is it okay for to us to give them protein shakes to try and get that protein if they're not eating well? The answer is yes, but it's got to be the right protein, and a lot of those proteins are not pure clean. Yeah. And so there's, that's all back to the genetics and which one do you use? Because if you're going to use 
um, a whey protein that's not clean and it has a lot of casein in it, that casein will convert to an opiate, a casomorphine, and they'll drink that shake and their brain won't work. Really? And so there's, there's the, I mean, nutrition for athletes is a whole separate story. Right. You know, and I'm telling you, they can get their hands on things that you can't imagine. Okay. That might be another show then. <laughs> well, it might be another show, but it's just, you want to be careful. You, you want to make sure that you understand, especially if you have a top athlete in your, in your family, right. somebody who's trying to become a D1 athlete or just loves athletics, wants to, to keep up and stuff. And if they look like they're gaining too fast, right? You know, like their muscle mass is too fast. Or, you know, parents, moms in particular have great intuition. Yeah. They know something's up. They can yeah. smell it. Yeah. yeah. You know. Us men, we're like, we're clueless most of the time. So it is amazing how fast they grow. I mean, just sprouting up five inches in like three months. That's but incredible. What I'm saying is be, be nosy, be a good parent, be nosy. Don't be their friend. You're not their friend. Right. You're their parent. And unfortunately, these days, a lot of us want to be their friends because we want them to like us. And right. I'm guilty like that too sometimes, but. You know, you've got to pay attention to what's really going on in their body because you'll be shocked at what they can get a hold of even in the high school arena. Yeah, I mean, and also just some tips for when you're talking to teens is like, keep it short and sweet. You know, don't overdo the eye contact. Talk while you're in action. You know, let's back, let's, back up, let's back up for a second. So the GAD1 mutation where you don't make enough GABA, those people love weed or alcohol. They love it. Right. Uh, they they're using it as a you know if your child has that they're using it as a medicinal and you have to tell them listen you have this mutation you need to treat it with something to help it or else they're going to go treat it themselves with something illegal right or even legal that's not legal for their age like alcohol right or weed yeah or or the other way or stimulants or moods or whatever they want to get their hands on you know right very so good advice it, it's really shocking to me. Um, sometimes how naive us parents can be. We like to think that we're so smart, but I mean, we just got to pay attention to our child. Well, Dr. Stewart, I appreciate all the information that's kind of got my brain running on what I can do to help my own son, even though I know you and we talk all the time. But so we're going to close here because uh, we went over the, we're at the 45 minute mark, but um, sure. we can talk about this all day. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll do a show on um, women's health and, and talk about, you know, teen girls and what happens with them going on. But just to close, you know, just remember the motto. Many parents say with teens, we're going through this together and we'll come out of it together. Sure. Stay positive as a parent. And I hope this has helped some parents and guiding them if they're having some difficulties with their teens or just want to know what's going on. So you can visit coffeewithdrstuart.com for more episodes or neurobiologics.com for products we mentioned or email us at questions at coffeewithdrstuart. Dr. Stewart, thanks for your time today. See you. Bye-bye. Okay. Talk to you later. This show is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. Dr. Stewart serves as the chief science officer and lead formulator for neurobiologics and advises you to consult with your own medical professional on any information given during this programming. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or medical condition.